there standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philadelphia. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got it. Yes! Off the podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you again today for another interview episode, and another exciting one for you with a non-athlete, but somebody who's involved in the Olympics in a very special, unique way. Donna Naves is her name. Now she was a torchbearer during the 2002 Salt Lake City Winter Olympic torch relay. And fascinating chat here to learn a little bit more about Donna, about how she was chosen, the selection process, what kind of happened in the lead up to her carrying that torch and just what it means to her now as we approach the 20 year anniversary, can you believe it, of the Salt Lake Winter Olympics. And a very fun, insightful chat here and one that I know you are going to enjoy listening to today. So here's our chat with Olympic torchbearer, Donna Naves. Always fascinated on Off the Podium to speak to all the different variety of guests we get on the show. Obviously, a large focus of our interviews is around the athletes that compete in the Olympics. We've also spoken to journalists, we've spoken to marketers, we've spoken to ticketing experts, we've spoken to so many different people involved in the Olympics. And today we're going to learn a little bit more about what it means to carry the Olympic torch. Our next guest was lucky enough to carry the torch during the 2002 Salt Lake Winter Olympic torch relay, selected as one of only 500 people to carry that torch. And it's been something that she has used to inspire many across the years. I had the pleasure of meeting our guest today nearly five years ago to uh, talk a little bit about her experiences and always somebody who I'd like to get on the show to learn a little bit more about what led to her carrying that torch and what it means to her to have that honor of doing that in her life. Please welcome to Off the Podium, Donna Narvez. First of all, Donna, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us on Off the Podium today. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. It's always been a dream of mine to carry that torch and whenever I've met people who have carried the torch and talked to them about those experiences it's always something that is uh it's it's exciting to learn and and this is something that uh, you know you obviously are so proud of that even what nearly 20 years later that uh it's still something that people are talking about I mean give us a bit of a background Donna on how this all came about how how were you chosen what was the selection process like to get chosen as one of the torchbearers back in 2002 for the Winter Olympics all right, I was nominated by a co-worker who saw an, uh, an advertisement online from both Chevrolet and Coca-Cola. They were running a contest, 60 words or less essay, in asking who inspires you and why. So she turned in this essay, obviously it was a good one, <laughs> and uh, 200, about 210,000 essays were turned in to carry the torch. Wow. Uh, there were a total of uh, 12,012 uh, torchbearers for the 2002 Winter Games. So I wow. was one of those lucky people. Um, I guess, I mean, I, I was flabbergasted. And of course, I saw the email that came up on my screen that evening that said, congratulations, you've been nominated to carry the Olympic torch. And I immediately deleted it 
because I there's no way. I, why would I be nominated? So when I went into work the next day, my coworker said to me, so what's going on with you? And I said, nothing. Anything new? No. Well, I got a confirmation email that you were nominated for carrying the torch. She said, how'd you get that? I think it's probably phishing or there's it's some kind of scam. She said, no, I nominated you. I turned in and they voted you. And I said, you got to be kidding. So I went through my trash when I got home from work and found the email and called up Mr. Black at the Olympic Committee. And he said, yes, Mitt Romney would be sending me a packet out with my uniform, my beautiful, I still have it, of course, I still have my runner's uniform. And uh, they'd fill out all the paperwork for me, what I needed to do for the criteria. And I did that. And within about what was, unfortunately, this happened right along 9-11. Right. So it was delayed by several weeks and there was a holiday in there and everything. So I was really worried that I wouldn't get my application process back in on time. So I had to send everything FedEx and it was very unnerving to make sure things got there and got traced. But once it got in and they called me back and they said, okay, we'll send you out your runner's uniform and, uh, and it's a go and you're, you're going to be carrying the torch. I carried in Paso Robles, California, one wow. of my favorite country areas. <laughs> 32 degrees that morning. It was, it was awesome because I love the cold. <laughs> so, which, I mean, leads me to ask, I guess, what sort of was it about your colleague that, that nominated you? So the question is, you know, what, what inspired, who inspires you and why? So what was it about you that they found so inspiring? Well, I think her, her essay paraphrasing, of course, was that I lace up my shoes every day to walk for a cause, whether it be cancer or dog rescue or March of Dimes, whatever. I would participate in all these walks and raise lots of money and walk thousands of miles. I've walked thousands, literally thousands of miles. Uh, I started in 1999 with the Avon Walk for Breast Cancer. And that was a 60-mile walk. It was a three-day walk, and we tented along the way. And it was an amazing experience. And I never thought that I could ever do it because I only had four months to train. Mm -hmm. So I had walked ever since then until Avon, I believe it was 2016 when they stopped the Avon walk. And now it's uh, making strides right. for Avon. And it's a 39-mile walk. So I've done three of those already. So... I've uh, I, I, I participated in things and raised a lot of money and awareness, and she thought that I inspired people. And right. I did a mini triathlon when I turned 50, and my husband says, you're not going to do that, are you? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? What was it sort of that led you to kind of, you know, com competing and, well, I guess, taking part in these walks? Has it just sort of been a passion of yours to always kind of help and join these worthy causes? Was there something in your life that kind of led you to all of a sudden taking on, on board sort of events like this? Well, you know, I, I have always donated my time through churches and different organizations. Um, my first job, I call it a job, my first volunteer was um, stuffing envelopes for the Crippled Children's Society. Now, this goes back to, I'm going to say it was about 1960-something, three or something, a long time ago. And I started doing things like that. And we had a neighbor who had breast cancer. 
And I was so young, I didn't know what that was all about. I wanted to know more about it and the science of it and what happens. And when she passed, it kind of inspired me of how, what can I do to help? And so I started looking into organizations and different things that were out there. And another girlfriend of mine, uh, Julie, who she has passed as well, I started a team with 53 walkers and we were Julie's angels. And I, I can't remember the exact amount, it was around 70,000 that we uh, raised for Julie in the year that we walked. And it just always inspired me. So yeah. wow. anything, anyone. <laughs> Yes. I can say six, 60 miles is, um, you know, no, no mean feat to be able to do that sort of every year. I mean, how, how long is the length of the the route that you were given then for the torch? I mean, no matter what it is, it pales. You're not, I'm guessing oh. you're not running 60 miles. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. The torch was like a football length wow. field. It, it was, I think it's 200 meters maybe or something. It was, it was really, it wasn't really a walk per se. It was just the honor of carrying the Olympic flame. And what was really inspiring with that is that the woman that lit my torch, because you only have one flame. So she lit my torch and she was a victim of a house fire that took four of her children. Wow. So that's who inspired someone else to nominate her to carry. So it's, there were interesting stories. I was going to say, it's that method of kind of learning about the stories. I mean, you know, not on quite the same level of the Olympics. I had the honour of carrying the um, Queen's baton in the Commonwealth Games when they came here uh, a few years ago. And I remember being on the bus and sort of it's a little bit different to the Olympics because obviously you've each got your own torch, you've got one flame, whereas for the Queen's baton, it's literally one baton. Like the Queen puts a message in it and you're handing the baton off to every single person and then they open it up in the opening ceremony. So we're on the bus and you meet these people. You're learning like, hey, why are you nominated? Like, what did you do? What did you do? I kind of right. felt very insignificant to why I was nominated because all these people were doing these amazing things. But you were, you were learning well, these like a, why you were nominated. I'm interested now. Well, it was it, it's 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 kind of silly, but it was um I, through my media career back in the day, and listeners of the show would know this. I I'd started a sort of a joke bid for Hobart, my home city, to host the Olympics. That went way too serious and got a bit of attention for the city on a world stage. So apparently, somebody thought that was inspiring enough for for me to carry it so it was a bit embarrassing when i'm there going oh yeah i started the joke olympic bid and i'm talking to somebody who you know um had, had gone through adversity in life and was sort of overcoming it and was helping cure cancer and things like that and i'm like oh, i feel a bit sheepish i'll just sit in the back corner but i mean it was still an honor but it's um it, but that, that's the, the the thing though when you meet these people right and you can share your stories with each other absolutely it's a it's a fabulous honor it's just one of the highlights of my life which, had you been an Olympic fan, was this kind of something that, you know, growing up, you had sort of always, you know, paid attention to the Olympics, had maybe sort of in the past, like you, you'd seen the torch maybe when it had come to somebody where you were, where you were living? I mean, it's something that always kind of followed you around? That, well, not always followed me, but in 1984, I attended the Los Angeles Olympics and I went to boxing matches and different events and I saw the torch then and I drove maybe 50 miles just to see where the torch was wow. going at that. Wow. So that kind of inspired me from 84, never thinking I'd ever carry it. Never yeah. in my wild dreams would that have been anything that I ever thought that would be bestowed on me. I mean, it was just amazing. Because it's something it was you remember, isn't it? Because I remember during Sydney, the torch came down here and 
went and watched it. You know, you went and watched it through there. The streets were just filled. Like you kind of had your little nightly ceremonies where they would light sort of a makeshift cauldron in, in your location. And I mean, I was 13 at the time and sadly never got to go up to Sydney to watch any of the Olympics, but experiencing that, seeing the torch, like it's just something unique and fun. And I think I met a, a torch bearer and that was when I realized that you guys get to keep the torch, like you can pay for it and kind of keep that sort of thing for the rest of your life and little things like that. And that to me was like, wow, I want to carry this thing one day. So I'm just saying right now with Brisbane only 11 years away, I'm going to try and find something meaningful to do between now and 11 years time so that uh, somebody can nominate me. So uh, nominate you, Ben. (laughs) Yeah, it's always an ulterior motive on this show to just get people to just get lots of nominations before Brisbane in 2032 so I can carry that. In that that lead up, when you're getting the, the package, you're getting your uniform, I mean, at what point are you sort of designated your your route? Uh, what kind of other preparation are you told? Like are you, you know, I can imagine that day is obviously very strictly controlled, like be here at this point, be on this bus, do this, do that. Like do you remember sort of all of that lead up to the day before you got oh, to carry it? Absolutely. Um, there were a lot of restrictions. Um, one in particular is most poignant is that they wouldn't allow you to take the flight after you, transferred the flame to another carrier, you had to take, because it's a butane butane container on top of the torch, you had to go to the dealership because Chevy nominated me and they had to remove that butane container. They wouldn't let me go anywhere until that was taken out because they don't want the light or they don't want me to light the flame and go anywhere else with the flame, you know? Yeah. Don't want to go commit (laughs) arson with the Olympic flame. You've just got a bit of flame going on. You just burn a house down with the Olympic flame. (laughs) Actually, yeah. Well, there there were people there with little tools and they would turn the flame off after it ignited another torch. And then, of course, they shuttle you off in a bus. My husband was like, where are you going now? I said, I don't know. I'm going (laughs) wherever they told me to go. And then I was shuttled in, and then they took the butane out. And then, but as far as preparations that day, I was was just so excited that, um, and it was so cold, which I loved, that they would tell you, okay, this is where you need to be at this time, this particular time to load on to the bus. And then the bus took us to one place and then they dropped the torchbearers off every 200 meters or so. So I was, it's interesting. I carried the torch January 17th, which is my grandmother's and my great grandmother's birthday. Wow. I was torch number 17. And this is what was really strange. What was the other fact that was so bizarre about that? Um, now I can't remember. I'm sorry. But I mean, it was like 17 was, I don't know why it's since become because seven is my favorite number. So I figure, okay, 17 is probably fitting for that. But um, in total, I don't know if I mentioned there were, yes, I did mention how many torchbearers there were. And the, the route from the um, Greece, Olympia, mm-hmm. to Utah was 13 1,506 miles, I want to say. I know I've read it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's kind of, they they fluctuate, don't they, in terms of the way they kind of do it. Like, I mean, generally the host nation gets a very large portion of the route, of course, Um, and which I can imagine is is challenging in the US because you're such a a big country, such a diverse country with, you know, all the 48 mainland states and all that kind of stuff. So I can imagine that, you know, it's always interesting to work that, that route out because you had Atlanta six right. years prior. Like it's probably more about the South then, isn't it? And then obviously with Salt Lake, it's more about 
the Rockies and kind of that part of the country. Right. And then in right. LA in, in seven years' time, I'm sure we're going to get a, a different route. So uh, it's kind of interesting to think that how they, they would plan that out. But you got to do it in your in your home state. That's kind of a nice little touch. You didn't have to fly to Utah or anything for it, though, did you? Correct. I think they had in the in the regulations or in their terms, they could go within th- 300 miles right. either way for you. So that made it. You know, convenient. And the other fact on uh, January 17th, Muhammad Ali also carried the torch. The ah, same year. Wow. So I thought that was interesting. That's nice. So, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, All those connections. Yeah. I like hearing that. You're always connected to Muhammad Ali. Why not? You know, like just put that on, put that on the resume. Do you remember sort of what the atmosphere was like that day in the town, sort of just the streets aligned, as I was saying before, I remember that vividly. So, I mean, was it a similar thing there? Like people on the streets giving flags, kind of like cheering everything along the back when we could have crowds, Donna, remember what that was like? Uh, lots of crowds and, and schools, schools, total schools and children would come out with flags and they just lined the streets and yelling USA. And uh, it, it was, it was amazing. Like I said, because it was, post 9-11, it really meant a lot to a lot of people. I mean, it just, they donated some of the torches to the fire departments uh, in New York. And it was, I don't know, it was, it was just amazing. I, I met a lot of really terrific people, very interesting people. And my husband and I decided instead of driving the 300 miles back, we'd stay in Paso Robles area. So we stayed the night. And in the morning, I got up and I, I walked out to the lobby to get a cup of coffee and some woman is saying, oh my gosh, it's you. Would you sign my paper? And I'm looking at her like, who are, who are you? I was on the front page of the paper. That's wow. Wrong. wow. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Torch carriers. I don't know. Maybe they like my red. I had red hair at the time. <laughs> so maybe they thought my hair looked like a flame. <laughs> That's a good connection. I, I like that. Wow. What What is the process when it comes to, purchasing the torch like I, i'm assuming that when you get that package they're probably like i don't know like you have the option of, of choosing this and and how much does it cost to buy the olympic torch okay that, those are great questions that they do give you the option to purchase your torch um and the torch was about 325 dollars. i paid another 150 to get a stand for it so right. it sits in my fireplace today um I was told that the 2002 Olympic torch is worth between fifteen and eighteen thousand dollars. Wow, bit of a collector's item. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, I'm not going to sell it. But they said because of 9/11 and because of the timing, other torches, even older torches, are only like a thousand dollars or twelve hundred dollars. But I was really shocked to have someone tell me, "Would you consider selling it?" And I said, "No, not at all." No. You would never, that, I mean, that's, it's like having an Olympic medal in some ways, isn't it? Like, why would you want to sell that? <laughs> exactly. I've already, excuse me, I've already offered it to my granddaughter. So she nice. is going to be passing the torch along, literally kind of on, on, on that. Because I, I remember, like I said in the intro, like obviously met you back in, in 2016 at Reality Rally. And what drew me to meeting you was, is this lady in a Salt Lake City uniform, one of my favorite Olympics. She's got the torch, like drawn to you straight away. I'm, I'm there for Survivor. I'm a big Survivor fan. I'm drawn to all these people, but you just caught my eye and I'm, I'm just into that Olympic mode. I mean, I can imagine when you go to events like that, it is obviously a talking point and kind of, was that always a goal of yours to, I guess, use that experience and kind of then promote sort of, I guess, what you did, talk to people about it and kind of just continue to share those stories over the years? 
Absolutely. I have uh, spoken at churches. I've shared my torch with schools, high schools, junior highs. I've also taken my torch into nursing homes and into the Veterans Administration to share with the servicemen. So it's, it's been it's been an amazing journey and a, and a great, just a, a great platform for doing something like that because everybody likes the Olympics. I mean, who doesn't yeah. like the Olympics? <laughs> exactly. A- no one listening to this show. I'm a bit confused. If there's somebody listening to this right now and they don't like the Olympics, I think they've uh, maybe downloaded by, or maybe they're just like you, Donna. Maybe they just don't like the Olympics. I don't know. Maybe, you know, um, potentially that. Did you get to go to the Olympics yourself? Did you then all of a sudden go, okay, well, I'm a, I'm a torchbearer. Like, hey, maybe we need to, uh, you know, get in a bus and, and travel to Salt Lake to watch some events. You know, I, I really didn't. I was working full time at the time. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I probably would have had I been retired or today, I would definitely do it. There'd be no question. I would be there in a heartbeat. Um, and I still have my runner's uniform. That was given to me, by the way. That was a gift from the Olympic Committee. I think that some of the promoters bought like 40,000 of these or something. <laughs> they bought a, a bunch of them, but they had given that to me and I still have it. I took the T-shirt and I put it with an American flag, and I have a proclamation of the flag that flew over the Capitol building on the day I carried the torch. That was right. that was by my sister. I have a twin sister. Wow, that a good gift to give me. So, which I can imagine then too, where months away from the 20th anniversary uh not only of salt lake but you running with the torch i mean is this an idea where maybe you can go back to that route kind of relive that on the on the 17th and then kind of is there maybe even sort of some talks amongst you know the fellow uh, torch bearers and everything to do with salt lake of sort of some celebrations in the coming months well uh, i have been asked i've been asked to do a couple of olympic uh themed parties to, to come with my torch um, I have done fundraisers with the Olympic torch uh, for breast cancer specifically and taken pictures with the torch with people and they've donated money. It was never a set price. It was always, oh, you want to make a donation? Let's do a picture. And I had the printer with the pictures and it was just like a Polaroid type thing. And that worked out quite well. And people have asked me and I do plan on um, I'm involved in Nextdoor. I don't know if you have a Nextdoor or know what that is, but it's a publication in a neighborhood where all your neighbors log into this site. Um, I guess they're headquartered in San Francisco, perhaps, and they're all over. All the states out here have it. And what they do is they put things in there like, I need someone to babysit. I need a good dog groomer. I need a referral or here's a good restaurant or t- things like that. So I thought what I would do for this anniversary time, for the 20 year, I would take and post in my next door that I would be doing a walk in the community. I plan to do, because I'm 69 years old, I'll be 70 years old at the time, and I'll I'll walk seven miles with the torch, and I'll go through the neighborhoods up here and have my torch of people pictures or stop me or whatever. So. Fantastic. Nice little idea. Yeah. Can, can, is there a way that you mentioned they took the, the sort of the burning element out of it, but can you sort of light it in any way to kind of recreate that or is it just completely yeah. sort of dead? Yeah, it's dead. They, they do that for a purpose. They don't want the liability, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's always crate paper with a little fan or yeah. something. <laughs> All the ways and means about it. I mean, the thing <laughs> that always excites me too about um, Salt Lake is that 
I, I mentioned before, one of my favourite Olympics ever, probably the first full winter Olympics that really was covered extensively here in Australia as well. And obviously any Australian would remember the Salt Lake Games from uh, our first ever Winter Olympic gold medals. We won it, of course, with Alyssa Camplin in the aerials. And famously, Stephen Bradbury, everyone fell over in the speed skating and Stephen Bradbury went through to win the gold. So always got that sort of connection to Salt Lake. I mean, is it a city that you've been to as well? I, I went to Salt Lake a few years ago and one of my favourite cities I've ever been to in the US, such a nice city. So, I mean, I guess, do you feel a weird affinity to the city, even though you you know obviously didn't carry it there, but it's that connection to the Olympics? Yeah, I, I have been to Salt Lake when I was a young girl, though, traveling with my parents. Uh, my dad was an educator, and he'd take a, sabbat a sabbatical every seven years. And we'd get in the car and drive around the states. And I've been to every state in the United States. Wow, and nice. Hawaii and such. And that was all due in part to my dad. He'd have to send a postcard from every Capitol building. He'd have to have it postmarked, and they'd have to sign and so that he got free travel. So Fantastic. that was kind of, yeah, I, like I, that. I enjoyed it, but you know what? I'd do it again in a heartbeat. If he was here, I definitely would do it. Um, as a young girl, I'd always want to get home to my boyfriend, right? You know, I miss my friends. And what kind of, you know, I can't spend 300, 400 miles in a car all day. It was just, to me, it was, you know, boring. And I look back on the things that I've been, uh, I've done with my family, and I just, I'm very thankful, very thankful. But yes, I'd go back. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm that weird geek guy, Donna, that when I was there, I'm like with my friend, like, let's, I want to see the Olympic stuff. Uh, I mean, we went to a Utah jazz game and basically I was more excited that I was in the arena where Bradbury won, Bradbury won gold. That wasn't more, it was that more important than the basketball. And then we went out to uh, the university where the, the, the opening ceremony was and they've got the cauldron and, what blew my mind as sort of this naive Australian who thinks of Olympic opening ceremonies in massive stadiums, you know, custom built venues that this was on the grounds of a university and that the opening ceremony was basically at a university stadium. I'm like, what sort of wonderful world is this where schools can host Olympic opening <laughs> ceremonies? I'm from Australia. My university couldn't hold a raffle, yet alone an Olympics. So it's, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was amazing to kind of, to witness that. And yeah, the, the cauldron is still there. It's uh, what was it? Rice-Eccles Stadium, wasn't it? So it's kind of right there right. and, kind of there so it's yeah, a beautiful city ice hockey team i think lit the cauldron didn't they they I, did I the, they... the miracle and ice team they, they did yep and it was the uh what the osmonds were the the star of that opening and then the closing ceremony had the giant t-rex heads and you had what bon jovi and and kiss and nsync and it was a pretty bloody good closing ceremony one that's never really talked about i think uh sort of throughout history one thing i'd like to ask though donna given that uh la is now seven years away what what are the chances of a of a dual Olympic torchbearer? I mean, you know, like, uh, do I do you want me to nominate you? You nominate me, I'll nominate you, and then you can get to carry the LA torch in a few years. Yeah, I don't know if uh, I've never heard of someone carrying it twice. I don't know if that's a. I don't know about that. That's interesting, but I'll certainly nominate you, Ben. There's no oh. question. Well, I'll do it to you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, you know. <laughs> kind of going along that way. I've got 11 years to wait, so kind of uh, pushing on there. That's right. Just in, in terms of yourself, Donna, I mean, sort of all the, the great work you were mentioning before you, you've done sort of that led you to, to carrying the torch. I mean, what are you up to now? Are you still sort of doing some of these walks, some other events that you are involved in? And if you are, please plug anything that you want to plug right now that people can sort of maybe donate or get involved in. Well, I also, I, I, I am. Um, right now, I'm interested in volunteering for a nonprofit called um, Soaring Spirits International, 
And what that is, is it's a woman, a young woman in 2005, whose husband was out riding his bicycle in Simi Valley, California, and never came home. He was hit by a suburban and died. And she just remembers having the officers come to her door. And I mean, you can, you can well imagine how devastated, uh, you know, how shocking that would be. She has developed this nonprofit. And what she does is she consoles widows, widows and widowers, whether they're married, their life partners, whether they're gay, straight, it doesn't matter. I mean, all walks of life. And she helps in their grieving process. She has a lot of people on her staff that volunteer that talk to these folks and send them inspirational, you know, messages. They have retreats they go to for a few days. And it's all about helping people cope. And now she's developed a COVID, you know, therapy type of, uh, it, you know, it's so new to me that I, and I'm so interested in doing things, different things, of course. And so I contacted her and I received a couple of packets because I have a friend who um, committed suicide a few weeks back. And um, I uh, contacted his partner and said, you know, this, this is a great thing. You, you need to read this and absorb it. She's doing really well. Another friend of mine whose husband had committed suicide, she's doing very well on the program. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to focus some time into this. So they have a Century, a 100-mile bike ride coming up that I have. Uh, I used to do Centuries. <laughs> I used to do that kind of stuff. But now I've got my husband doing it. So I'm going to work right. some of stations there with the water and the, and the goodie bars and all. And he's going to go out and ride a hundred miles and support this foundation that I think is just, uh, just terrific. It's Fantastic. anytime anyone I'm, I'm willing to do it. I'm, and I'm still doing my walks. I still do my 40 mile and now they're 39. <laughs> now they're 39 miles. So I'm still participating in those. I do a lot of charity golf tournaments um, I, I volunteer for help for brain injured children, uh, the Cleta Harder Foundation out of Orange County. They're fabulous. My good friend, Bruno Serrata, he owns the Anaheim White House restaurant. And he is, uh, he is the founder of Katerina, that's his mother, Katerina's Club, Boys and Girls. And I think he's at 5 million meals now that he's wow. served. Yeah, he's been doing that many, many years. And he was the 2020, I, I'm going to get the year wrong, but it was within the last three years, a CNN hero. Wow. So anybody, Bruno Serrato. And uh, these are the kind of people that inspire me. I think what yeah. happens is once you start doing things, it kind of mushrooms and, you know, it's, it's amazing. I know a lot of amazing, amazing people. That's a good I mean, thing. Yes, yeah, indeed. You are yeah. one of these amazing, amazing people too, Donna. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've learned a lot and been inspired by everything that you talked about on this. And I, I don't even, like, I will nominate you for LA 2020, but I don't think you're going to have any trouble having people nominate you with all the things, amazing <laughs> things you, you're doing out there. It's, it's really been a lot of fun chatting with you today. And one thing I'm going to do, I mean, I sent it through to you in, in email, but I've, I've still got the photos of me holding the, the torch with you back in 2016. Uh, Kind of uh, okay. lost a bit of weight since then, but uh, I will maybe share that photo on our social media to kind of uh, scare perfect, people. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad that one person thinks that. But we will share that on our social media so people can see the torch and sort of see you in the whole Salt Lake get up and everything. But pleasure to chat with you today, Don, and to learn more about this and uh, get sort of that insight into what it means to be uh, an Olympic torchbearer. Thank you very, very much. It's my pleasure. Big thanks to Donna there for her time, learning about that. And, yeah, I feel I've got this, like, long 11-year journey now to just subtly mention, hey, nominate me to carry the torch so that I can get to carry an Olympic torch. I've always got to have hidden motives on this show, right? I'm not going to make an Olympic, so closest I'll ever get is uh, potentially carrying the torch for Brisbane 2032. I can do something before then, right? Right? Yeah, we'll kind of work that out. Uh, We've got plenty more still to come here on Off the Podium. Plenty of great interviews still coming as we get closer and closer to Beijing 2022. And as always, if you want to stay up to date with what we've got coming up, hit us up on social media, Off the Podium, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Search for us on all the good social media platforms, Off the Podium. Hit subscribe, leave us a rating, and let us know what you think of the show. We always like to hear from you. Big thanks again to Donna. Big thanks to you for listening. This has been Off the Podium. My name is Ben. And as always, go a left. (laughs) 